This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Improve your health and well-being the natural way with The Medicine Man, next on Plains FM. Well, we've knocked Christmas off, haven't we? What a year that was. Holy moly. We'll um, have a little bit of a break, but this is Mike McKimmon, the medicine man, and we'll come back to you soon after another little song, and we'll talk about some, you know, we'll talk about what happened in the year, what's happening now, and what we're going to do next year. Okay? So 
are the bombers riding shotgun in the sky and they were turning in to butterflies above our nation we are stardust billion year old carbon we are gold Well, what a year, eh? So I don't know. I, I want to spend too much time raving about um, the the past, but uh, it might be good just to do a sort of an overview of what's happened. And of course, we've had this COVID nineteen thing, which I'll mention as we go. But um, let's just look at the state of the world at the moment. You know, we've um, there's a number of things that uh, you know when we're in lockdown, a lot of people had time to think, and isn't that wonderful? You know, and um, just about everyone I've talked to so far found that they had during lockdown they had this incredible sense of um, reflection and really thinking about things, and and so we are actually at a at a turning point in history now. Sometimes we learn from a crisis, and uh, this crisis. Although there's been a lot of fallout, and um, I haven't agreed entirely with our government's approach, but mostly, mostly I think it's been a good thing. Um, and uh, we need to be grateful for that because we are in a better position than just about anybody else in the world. But um, a lot of people have come to me and, um, you know, they've, they've re re-evalued things. So I'm finding that more and more people are getting interested in looking after their own immunity, that, you know, the government can't look after everything, as wonderful as they are. You know, we need to think about our own immunity. And we've talked about um, immune-supporting foods in, in this program, haven't we? Even onions and lemons and garlic and even black pepper and cayenne pepper and, and turmeric and, and all the culinary herbs, they all actually happen to be immunostimulants. Isn't that wonderful? Um, so the consciousness now is improving in many ways. Some people are going, you know, they're just becoming more entrenched and they want more and more antibiotics and more drugs and more lockdowns and it's the war against. But I'm suggesting that you can't war against nature. You've really got to accept that that's how nature works. And nature does have predators and uh, these predators are basically there to cull off the weak. As cruel as that sounds, the truth is that nature does cull off the weak. The important thing is not to be weak. And there's um, some really good solutions. You are not a victim. You can actually do an enormous amount. So a lot of people are realising their own responsibility during this crisis, and I think that's a good thing.
But let's look at um, the state of the world to date. You know, food security this is a pretty important thing. You know, that, if, if, that one in nine people in the world go hungry every day and 11% of the world's population is still undernourished. So um, we, we haven't arrived there yet at perfect. Um, we've got things like child health now and primary education is an important issue now. We want our children to be healthy. We want their immune systems to be healthy. We want them to, to learn and to, to also be free thinking. We've got things like gender equality, men, women, and, and those in between. You know, all these things are all in the melting pot, aren't we? Um, we've also got um, the, our forests are still being depleted. We're losing um, forests at the rate of about 27, 26 million hectares every year, 26 million hectares every year to farming and so forth. So there's a whole lot of things going on. And ocean conservation, our oceans um, are becoming incredibly polluted. And think of all the pharmaceutical preparations that people are doing. Where do they end up? They end up in the in the oceans and petrochemicals end up in the ocean and that's not good for for life in the sea however we need to understand that the oceans absorb the carbon dioxide and produce more more than half of the oxygen that we actually breathe so we've really got to look after our oceans and uh, these these things are coming up as well um Water, you know, clean water. There's enough water in the world to feed, every, to, sorry, to, to nourish everybody. But two billion people, that's two billion, that's 2,000 million people in the world still use a water source that's contaminated with human waste. You know, that's a lot of people. And that's how, you know, all sorts of nasty diseases get spread as well. So, you know, there's, we, we look at the world today and we think, well, boy, we're, we're not really arrived at the place of utopia yet. And unfortunately, I don't think we're ever going to, but we can at least aim for it. But remember that um, just over 100 years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that, the average wage was equivalent of about, today's equivalent of about 20 cents. And people lived in some miserable conditions, you know, further back in time. And uh, on the whole, most of us, um, we, we live like millionaires, basically, even if you're on the average wage or less than the average wage, or if you're on a benefit, when you look at the, the whole of history, you're rich, you're really, really creaming it. Um, that may seem a bit unkind, but um, the truth is that the huge number of humanity, if you lived in the dark ages, you didn't know whether you're going to get bumped on the head at any moment, you know. So we live in a safer world today. Overall, the world is a good place. But what are we going to do about the future? What What do we know now? Well, we can look at these things. Do we Do we carry on with the way we're going, which is this attitude of the war against? And uh, my suggestion is the war against anything's never going to work. We need to understand what's going on. And of course, I am incredibly biased because I've been a, a herbalist and a naturopath now for over 40 years. And I remember as, as a young child in, in my teens and my early 20s, there are times I couldn't walk, there's times I was doubled up in pain. And when I eventually got myself to university, there are times I could not make it to a lecture because um, I was so ill I couldn't walk. And, and nobody had any answers, not a single person had any answers at all. And it was diagnosed then as, as Tapanui flu or chronic fatigue, and of course they didn't believe it was a real disease, I was making it up. Well, I can tell you now, I wasn't making it up because I was passionate about becoming an anthropologist. That was my absolute passion. I was going to be spending most of my, my life in, in Egypt, and I was going to do all the stuff. I was um, also interested in Paleolithic um, cave paintings. All that stuff was just it for me, but I couldn't manage it because I was so ill. Later on, it did become diagnosed as multiple sclerosis, and now only recently, a couple of weeks ago, I read in the paper that they've now classified chronic fatigue as a real illness. It's not made up at all. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, 
But anyway, the long and the short of it is I discovered herbal medicine. And I, I do remember, because I was in the anthropology library reading through all these ethnobotanical texts, and there was a recipe there which was a herbal medicine, and I happened to know where to get those herbs. Um, you know, So I, I actually dug up the herbs in old empty lots around, around Dunedin at the time and made up this brew for me and drank this incredible herbal brew. And I can tell you it wasn't the cure, but uh, the feeling it gave me, the energy it gave me, and, and um, it was absolutely life-changing. Then I, I found out that there was actually a college that taught herbal medicine, and there was only one in the whole country. I, um, I rang them up, and they said to me, flat, um, there's no chance of you ever getting in because the demand is so high. We've got bookings for, for years, and you'll never get in, unfortunately, and they only take 15 students per year anyway, and it's all booked up. And being, um, being the nature I was, I put a pack on my back, and I hitched up to Auckland, where the college was, and... Ended up there on a Friday night and knocked on the secretary's door. It was a big old double-storey house, and the door opened, and I says, basically, words to the effect of, aren't you lucky you've got a new student? And uh, the guy's jaw just about dropped, and he says, this is crazy because I've just put the phone down somebody's dropped out. And so my, um, the motto of the story is there's always room for one more, and you never, never say die. And the thing is that my doctor would give me this little speech also every time I went there, you know, even since a young child, um, I'd have this speech about, you know, the, in the forest there are these strong trees and there's also these little weedy ones. Well, I'm just one of those little weedy ones, you know. And that was it. He'd hand me a bottle of hormones and when I got home, I promptly flushed them down the toilet. The poor fish, you know. Um, so I never did take um, the, the drugs. And there was something about herbal medicine that, 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 that enlivened me that I knew was, was basically in my destiny and I haven't wavered from that. And it's not just about herbal medicine either. It's the, the, the principle of naturopathy and herbal medicine, and that includes homeopathy and osteopathy and all these so-called so-called alternative treatments, they actually run on natural law. The natural laws, the principles, the protocols of natural law. And there's something profound when you really understand biodiversity and that's nothing to do with the war against. So in naturopathy, we don't actually believe in diseases, or I personally don't believe in diseases. They're sort of arbitrary names for a bunch of symptoms, and those symptoms are simply a cry for help. The body, if we learn how to read the message of the body, you don't have to believe virtually any, and I say virtually any, diagnosis at all. Be suspicious, never say die, and um, look for um, different ways to get well. So if you're not well, if you're tired, if you've got Tet's disease, you're tired all the time, if you've got that funky head, you know, the brain fog, or if you've got diabetes, I mean, if you've got type 2 diabetes, it is so curable. You know, the, the, and so my passion is the prevention of incurable diseases, and um, I don't try to take too much, um, too much importance on the name of a disease, right? Because you're a person, and it's the person that naturopathy focuses on. But it goes much further than that, because naturopathy is all about gardening. <laughs> it's all about natural law. And the thing about the soil is there's interesting things like um, we, we've got this bacteria in our gut that keeps us healthy because it helps to manufacture B12 and it helps to make serotonin and all these wonderful things. But the soil, you know, you've heard this old thing, the answer lies in the soil. They always say soil because the guy who's saying it's an old bugger and he's missing a tooth. But the truth is the answer's in the soil. And what's so special about soil? Soil loves carbon. Huh? What? What do you mean? Yes, the, the bacterial life, those good bacteria, life force, it loves carbon. It soaks up carbon. 
Isn't that interesting? So if you get into organic agriculture, what you're going to do is you're going to allow the soil to get the carbon and eat it all up. Just think about paying for carbon taxes and the war against and all this stuff isn't. The thing to do is get back to the garden. You know, it goes back to good old, you know, that Woodstock song, you've got to get back to the garden because if we look at the garden, we're going to, we're going to create... Um, Good soil that's going to soak up the carbon, and if you if you're growing the plants, also you're going to grow medicines. And even spinach is a medicine. We know about Popeye; it's loaded with iron. But the thing is, the spinach in the supermarkets a hell of a lot different than the spinach in my garden because it's loaded with more iron. And by God, it just vibrates, and I can't believe how big it's grown. And this is the thing because what I do with my soil, I put tons of seaweed in it, right, and and worm pea and all this stuff and comfrey, and we've got this incredible rich soil that's just full of life and the soil reflects human beings so we have to think about the soil for ourselves and the soil for us is our digestive system and so naturopaths we're all bowel minded because it's always about the bowel so in 40 years fair go I have not met a single individual that didn't have a bowel problem and I know that's a pretty radical thing to say and my teacher Dr Bernard Jensen he told me the same thing haven't met a patient yet that didn't have a bowel problem. And I thought, this is a bit off the wall, isn't it? But I found this is to be true. You know, now there's a certain constitution that some people can eat just about anything. You know, I've got a mate, he can eat anything. Doesn't matter what it is, he's tough. He'll just carry on like the energy battery. But, you know, if I have some of the foods I'm, I'm, I'm intolerant to, oh boy, it's written all over my face, right? <laughs> and so um, <clears throat> some people are sensitive to foods, but it's a very important to know, A, your constitution, you know, what your genetic background is, have a look at your lifestyle, and um, you put these things together. But what I'm suggesting is the, the healing of this planet has a lot to do with the consciousness of coming back to the garden. Because if you're eating, if, you, if, you, if you're tending the garden, you start thinking about natural law. I use no chemicals in my garden. And, and I can't, it's hard to find a single leaf that's been eaten by anything apart from me, right? Um, and uh, you know, I found a snail the other day in my garden, and I've got an extensive garden, but mostly the birds get the, get the snails. And they might get the occasional cabbage leaf, but so far I didn't find a single hole on any cabbage leaves this, this year. Um, everything's going well. The, the plants are very, very strong. They have their own natural resistance. And, and what gets really fascinating, why do plants have this natural resistance? Well, if you keep putting fertilizer on plants, artificial fertilizer, the roots don't bother going down very, very low because they can sort of look all fluffy and wonderful, but they don't have the trace minerals. Um, <clears throat> but, but in your organic garden, they do have the trace minerals, and those trace minerals build up resilience. And these trace minerals are things like selenium, boron, iodine. You know, I put seaweed on the soil, and they make the plants strong, and they make the plants resistant to disease. And this is the thing that happens with human beings as well. When we eat those plants, they implant their own immune-supporting properties, right? Or all sorts of different um, flavonoids and chemicals that are actually biological chemicals that kill viruses and build your own immunity. And this is the exciting thing. Now, while doing this, you're saving the planet. <laughs> and it seems like, is this a tall stretch? But listen to this, you know, here's a, here's a bee just flying around my garden, got lots of bees because I make sure I have lots of pollinators, and they're buzzing around. And what are they doing? Well, they're pollinating everything. And do you know why they're doing it? Are they doing it because they love people? No, they're just going around, oh, we'd better pollinate for Mikey. Oh, yes, Mikey McCammon needs a bit of pollination. I'll do that. No, he doesn't have a clue that he's pollinating for us. He doesn't give a damn about that. He's just drinking lots of nectar and having a damn good time. 
and taking a bit of food back to his buddies. He doesn't know he's actually pollinating. And here's the thing, when you get back to the natural law, and when you follow it and when you understand it and you get to know the soil and you get to know that the whole world is surrounded, you are surrounded by medicine, everything you look at is either good medicine, bad medicine or neutral medicine, you can turn everything you do into something that supports your life or something that depletes your life. And just by working with natural law, the profound effect it will have on all those around you is a bit like the bee pollinating. You will never know the influence that you have just by following natural law. And the wonderful thing that's happening now, there were times when I'm, you know, I'm at the petrol station filling up with gas and somebody, oh, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a herbalist. And they go, so you can see them going, oh, my God, he's a weirdo. You you can see them doing the sign of the cross. Well, funnily enough, it's stopped. Of late, it's been stopped. It's not happening so much. I, I usually avoid telling people what I do in case they want to show me their hemorrhoids or something awful like that, you know. Um, or, but generally, I might get this weird feeling because I'm not mainstream. But the, but people are changing their attitudes, and this is a wonderful thing. So there's a mass consciousness, and I'm going to suggest to you that you start reading and taking a little bit more interest in the soil, in natural laws, and start thinking about the food that you eat and the water that you drink, and start thinking about if you look after yourself, if you really take yourself first, and this is not in a selfish way, but it kind of is selfish. But if you do it in this way, you will actually be doing more for your neighbours, for the whole planet that you could possibly do than getting on your high horse on some mission to save the world. Forget about that silly idea because the world's too big to save. But if you just take care of your own garden, the repercussions of that are more profound than you could ever possibly imagine. Okay, When you follow natural law and get back to these natural things, you're not polluting so much. Right? You start to think better because you've got more nutrients. When you get enough iodine in your body, you actually start circulating more blood in your brain. When you start having nice bitter herbs like dandelion and more spinach and, and things that are a little bit bitter, what happens is it gets your stomach juices working better, which means you start absorbing B12 better. And B12 is a neurological vitamin, makes you think better and makes you have more feelings of love and compassion. And when you have more petrochemical stuff, it goes the opposite. It takes away empathy. So when you follow natural law and you really begin to study these things and just go with it, yes, the implications are you're immensely powerful. So that's my message for Christmas. And it's so nice to talk to everybody. Love you all, except short people. Oh, no, I didn't mean that. And and we'll catch up next year. Bye-bye. Mike McCammon, Medicine Man on Plains FM. (laughs) 